Welcome to Table Talk, Episode 3. I'm Hezekiah. And I'm Chris. We have a lot in store for you, so Happy New Year's. Alright, welcome. Thank you for joining us. I hope that you all had a Happy New Year. We had an awesome time. It was so good. I was just talking today about how I felt like this season is just blazed by. And so um, with that, we want to let you guys know uh, our kind of recording schedule or our release schedule is about to amp up. Mm -hmm. We're going to have three episodes for you uh, coming real soon. So if you're not subscribed to our channel, please subscribe. Make sure you're checking out what's going on. And so we're going to just be kind of hitting you with all kinds of stuff. And, and one of the things that we appreciate as a channel is that you would let us know what you like. Mm-hmm. So we can talk about tech, we can talk about music, cars, Bible, all the above. And so uh, today we're going to start off with a chosen recap. And so there's two episodes that have dropped. They, they've just been moving along in season three. We're already halfway done. It's crazy. Uh, and and yeah. so we've got episode three, which I'm going to just lovingly refer to Jesus at Nazareth. He's back at home. And then we're going to have episode four, where he has sent the disciples out two by two, and they're doing works of ministry. So let's get started with episode three, Jesus is at Nazareth. So first off, Hezekiah, what do you, what do you think? What are some highlights of this episode for you? Um... I think when he was at the tomb, like, you can see how like how he had like um, human emotions, and he wasn't just like oh holy, like I don't care. <laughs> yeah, he was actually like cared, you know. Yeah, and actually had like like emotions, human emotions, and uh, yeah, I think that was a big highlight. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> spoiler alert. <laughs> if you're reading your Bible, is it really a spoiler? Yeah. I hope that you are, but. Um, but Jesus is at the tomb of Joseph, who was his earthly father. And, and just like Hezekiah said, the, all the feels are there. Like mm-hmm. you can tell that he loved Joseph. And, and you know, you see the humanity of Jesus. It mattered. Uh, and we got a few flashbacks. We got to see like toddler Jesus, <laughs> which was super cool. You know, I don't think that's ever been depicted on, uh, on film before. And so that was awesome. Um, and, and it was just, I don't know, man, it was just a, a beautiful episode. Um, I think my highlights, and, and I can see the memes now, where, you know, you see the memes, there's like, get you a friend that looks at you the way that, like, I love cake or something silly, like, you know, you know what I'm saying, like that. You're home, sir. Oh, <laughs> that's low. Like, the way that Lazarus was with Jesus is like, if y'all don't have y'all a Lazarus in your life, you better get you a Lazarus because yeah. he was awesome. I mean, he was just kind of, at first it was like he was setting Jesus up for everything and being kind of obnoxious, yeah. but you can tell that the two of them had not only really good chemistry, I think the main act, uh, the two actors uh, have done some things together in the past, uh, but you can tell that, that Jesus and, and Lazarus, the characters, had really good chemistry in the way that it's depicted. And so I, I was really blessed by that. Um, I always love when Jesus is around uh, his mother. And so that's one of my favorites. Yeah. I love the way he honors her and he shows us that in the writing and in the directing and all of that in the show. Um, obviously, we know Jesus honored his father and mother according to scripture. And I just love seeing it. Like, it's so beautiful. Uh, and, and seeing her respond to Jesus is also beautiful. Like, knowing that your son is Messiah, knowing like what destiny awaits him and the weight of that 
is captured beautifully on screen. I, I just can't say enough good about that. And so uh, Lazarus was my uh, favorite part of it and, and being around uh, mom uh, at home and kind of the flashbacks of home uh, were my favorite parts. Yeah. Um, let's get into a bit of the controversy. So a lot of people have asked this, and this is the way it was depicted in the show, but do you think Jesus would have been good at sports? I was actually just thinking that, like, right before you said that, I was actually thinking that. Uh, I, I like what they did with the, the sports, because uh, it showed how, like I was saying, like, he was human, and he was on earth and stuff, and <laughs> he's more of a human, not a sports guy. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, it yeah. raises the question, does Jesus have to be good at everything? Yeah. Or, or even, you know, kind of a further point, does he have to be good at the things and I'm going to hurt some feelings here, but uh, forgive me, does he have to be good at the things that don't truly matter? Mm -hmm. Sports, yeah. in the grand scheme of things, is about having fun. When I watched this episode, I saw him having fun, even though he wasn't good at it. Mm -hmm. And that's that's the whole point, right? Aren't we supposed to play sports and, and do these things to have a good time and not feel like it's our job, and yeah. we have to be perfect, and we have to be like the idols for everyone to look up to and, and be the best at? And, and, you know, clearly we know according to scripture and according to the fact that he was God in the flesh, he was the best at everything else. He was the yeah. best at healing. He was the best speaker. He was the, you know, so it's like, does he have to be good at, you know, fixing cars or, or gosh, let's, let's make it even more real. His father, uh, Joseph was a carpenter. Does he have to be a good carpenter? What happens if he stunk at putting tables together? You know, you know what I'm saying? It's like, we don't know these things because it's not colored in scripture, but it, does it change the fact of who he is? You know what I'm saying? You know, like, yeah. I think it makes him more relatable that it's like, hey, I'm not the best at sports, but I can have a good time playing it. And, and it looks to me like I could have a good time with Jesus playing sports and we can laugh at ourselves, making mistakes and missing catches and overthrowing and doing all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So I, I appreciated it for that, that perspective, you know? Yeah. And then, you know, how, how much do you think uh, Lazarus and the other guys felt when it's like, we won! This was just too humble in beforehand. <laughs> we beat Jesus! <laughs> it's like, you know, at the very least, if it was at their expense to make them feel good, Jesus is like just a cool guy for that alone, right? Yeah. You know, yeah. like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you this attaboy, you know? Give you the win. Yeah, give you yeah. the win. All right. Um, funny points. Everything with Lazarus. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Jesus and Lazarus was just like... Lazarus was the jokester. Uh, yeah. My goodness. Uh, even in the very tense, we'll talk about that in a second, but the very tense scene where he's at synagogue and he's about to deliver the message, Lazarus is still busting jokes. Mm. And even kind of somewhere in the middle of it, he's sensing the tension in the room and he still drops more jokes. And so it's like... Not bad for a carpenter's son, yes? <laughs> I mean, especially Joseph. He, he's kind of, you know, diffusing the situation, and so I, I appreciated it for that, and it wasn't, to my, you know, from my, my feeling, my perspective, it wasn't anything that I felt uh, was, um, you know, heretical or anything like that. It was, it was very lighthearted and fun. Uh, my favorite funny moment, uh, and I remember laughing out loud uh, at this, but when Jesus gets home and he, he comes in, he, he eats a, a short meal with his mom, Mary, and, uh, and then he gets ready to go to bed, and, and so his bed is still, his bed and room, because, uh, you know, they're not a rich family, is still the same size as it would have been as a little kid. And so, you know, if you're, you know, four feet, five feet tall, not a big deal, you know, it's kind of like fine, but, you know, he's a, a pretty good sized man at this point, and he's like, ah. Still feels small. And, and, uh, and so that was funny, and then the second part that was funny is as he's going out, 
Uh, he walks past uh, two sheep and he's like, Cain, Abel. Naming the sheep Cain and Abel. Obviously, we don't have any scriptural context for that, but the fact that they threw that in there is just a funny, um, you know, haha moment. I literally did laugh out loud in yeah. that moment because it was hilarious. Yeah. And so, um, so that was that was very very good. They they really exercised humor very well in this episode because yeah. uh, what they were covering was a very harsh topic. Mm-hmm. Um, as we see in scriptures, Jesus says this himself that uh, a prophet was, is without honor in his own home. And the scripture says that Jesus could not do any great miracle in his hometown because of their lack of faith, their unbelief. They, they knew too much about him, and they're like, you're Joseph and Mary's son. You're not special. You're a carpenter. How do you know any of this? And all the while, leading up to it, Lazarus is saying what a great rabbi he is, and they're hearing the rumors. They're hearing the stories, and, and they bring, and, and I don't, I'd have to check. I don't know if there was scriptural uh, evidence for the the people that were um, at the wedding in Cana being there, but they were there in this episode as a way to add credibility of, no, we were there. He changed water to wine, but even they doubted when it when push came to shove, uh, and, and he's in the synagogue and he's reading the scriptures that basically say, "I'm Messiah. These these things are being fulfilled before you, right here, right now." the Messiah. Are you claiming to be the Messiah? Or are you merely claiming to speak for the Lord as a prophet? Yes. Make no mistake, I'm Messiah. And then they lose their mind. And so, I guess, saying that, segueing into the serious, more heartfelt moments, um, as this is happening and as Jesus is reading out of the scroll and as the weight is falling and people are listening and, and tensions are starting to get high, you can see a visible change in the expression in Mary. She goes from being kind of cautious but excited about Jesus' teaching yeah. to, oh no, he's about to say what I think he's going to say and everything is going to transform and change. Yeah. And then there's a moment where, um, you know, once again, this is the, the dramatic representation of it, but Jesus whispers something to Lazarus and Lazarus basically um, scoots away with Mary to ensure that she's safe and they meet outside of the, the town. Um, the other part that got me, and gosh, it's so controversial, I don't understand why people get so weird about it, <laughs> but um, the, the Pharisees and, and people in the synagogue are challenging Jesus and, and they ask him, do you think that you're greater than Moses and the law? And Jesus says, I am the law. Jesus, if you do not renounce your words, we will have no choice but to follow the law of Moses. I am the law of Moses. And, and everybody loses their mind. It's like, Hold on a second, think about this. If Jesus is the Word made flesh, it's true. Not only that, we also see multiple times in Scripture where Jesus confirms it. He's the Son of Man. And then he also says that, uh, I have not come to abolish the law, but I've come that the law might be fulfilled. That fulfillment is in Jesus. It's in what he came to do. It's in his death, burial, and resurrection all of these things have been foretold, and he's basically saying, I am the completion of it. I supersede all of it because I came before it. Like, we have to understand that, that Jesus existed 
eternally with God before any of this happened. So, of course, he's going to supersede it. And then the book of John 1, we see that Jesus is the Word made flesh. Jesus was there at the beginning on the world and everything was created. The Holy Spirit was there hovering over the surface of the deep. And so Jesus was that spoken word as God breathed life into everything. So all parts of the Trinity were fully present at creation. And therefore, because they pre-existed before all of the things that we made, right? You know, he's going to supersede it. He's going to fulfill it. He's going to complete it. He is greater. And, and so uh, people lose their minds about that, as they did in the synagogue. And um, the, the rule or the structure in those days, according to the law up to that point, was if someone said that and they couldn't back up their claims, and so they kept asking him, show us, prove to us, do miracles, do something. But what, they weren't really saying it from a, a heart that was full of faith, like, heal us, you know, do a miracle. It was, yeah. prove it, we don't believe you, and we doubt there's anything that you can do to make us believe you. So their faith was weak, it was low, and it wasn't something that was coming from a place that we genuinely want to believe you. It's like, no, we're about to kill you, and I don't think you can say or do anything that's going to make us change our mind, but go ahead and try. That, that was the audacity that was kind of depicted not only in Scripture, but also in this representation of it. And... Um, I think the, the, the clincher for me, because uh, obviously, you know, if you read your scriptures, you know this is not where Jesus dies. And I'd often wondered in scripture where it says he kind of just cut, cut through the crowd and, and, and got out of that region or got out of that situation. And seeing it, seeing it happen here, they take him to a cliff and they're about to either throw him over or stone him right there. One of the two, but it wasn't going to look good. And Jesus allows them to ask a few more questions. And then he clearly says, this is not happening today. He makes a glance up to heaven as if to look at his, his heavenly father and say, I'm doing what you said. I, I'm following your will and your plan. Because uh, remember, Jesus often says, I will only say what I hear my father saying. I only do what I hear my father doing. And God said, this is not how it's going to happen. None of his bones will be broken. Like there's prophecies that talk about the death of Messiah. And this was not it. And, and his, his dominance and authority, when he says, this is not happening today, hmm. all of them, the looks on their faces are just like, what just happened? And he just like, boop, <laughs> you know, scoots out of Dodge and then goes and meets up with Mary and Lazarus at Joseph's tomb. Rabbi Benjamin, this isn't going to happen. Not today. And ha they have a heartfelt moment talking about that. And, and Mary is crying. She's, she's kind of beside herself. And she's like, wow, it's, it's getting real now. Like things are transforming and changing now. One of the things that I think people get uh, caught up on as well, uh, I've seen a lot of questions about the bridle that he has, the, the bridle that, that would go on a horse or a mule. I think it's a mule at this point, given the size. Um, they're like, what's that? What are they going to use it for? I don't know what Dallas is going to use it for, but we know according to scripture that the, the king, the Messiah, is going to ride in on a mule uh, and, and, uh, and into, the, into Jerusalem. And there's a point in scripture where he does just that uh, on a baby colt. He has the disciples get for him. And as he's going in, people are laying their palm branches down and saying, Hosanna, right? Praise, praise be to God, glory in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. All these things praising and glorifying. And I've often wondered about that scene, so I'm going to be very curious how they, how they depict this, because it's almost one of those moments where they're like, 
they're saying something that maybe not all of their hearts believe yet, you know, because after that, things get real bad for Jesus, you know, in the grand scheme of things. And so I'm curious about that. I'm curious to how that, how that process goes. Uh, but, but those are some of my highlights in episode three. Is there anything else that, that you would call out in episode three before we jump to four? Um, I don't think so. Okay. I think that's probably it. Um, the other thing I would say is, um, once again, the actors did such a good job. Um, this was a smaller crew um, because I guess the holidays, I don't know when they, they filmed it, but they got the original uh, person from their pilot episode that played Joseph, and I, I love him. He does such a good job. Yeah. Um, they got the original uh, young girl that played Mary. She did a great job, and so seeing Mary kind of grow and transform through some of the flashbacks was cool. Once again, I loved baby, or not really baby, but toddler Jesus flashback. That was cool, and he was playing with his, his siblings, and, and I'm sure I think at one, one of the flashback scenes had to be Elizabeth and, and John the Baptist, um, from my, for my guess, giving the, the age of the kids. Um, they don't specifically say that, but, uh, but that's, that was my assumption, and so I thought that was really, really uh, neat the way they did it. And so, um, so this one was very, very close to home, very heartfelt, and, and really, really powerful. I encourage you guys to check it out and then ask us questions. Maybe we, maybe we missed something. Maybe we yeah. uh, misunderstood something and, and you have a question or uh, we got it wrong. You know, we'll watch it again. We, we would love to. And then we would also totally love to uh, pair it with scripture. And so if there are questions, um, please post in the comments and, and let us know. But uh, with that, let's, let's jump to episode four. We've got um, the title of the episode called Clean Part One. And so I was already expecting something that was going to happen, and I just didn't know how they were going to do it. Mm -hmm. And so one of my favorite stories in Scripture, I cry every time, this guy and my family are witnesses. It just it hits me so powerfully, whether it's the woman with the issue of blood. Well, when we first meet this lady, I, I didn't think that she was who she said she was. I thought mm -hmm. she was a bad lady. I thought she was trying to do something. It was just it was interesting how they set it up. And, and you can understand as we kind of unfold this character how her life is so hard and difficult and frustrating that that's, that's kind of why some of that was um, confusing at first. Uh, also, it's it's you meet her right after Eden and Peter fight when he returns from their um, their trip after they were sent out two by two, and so uh, you know it's just an interesting setup mm -hmm. that you're just not sure what to think, and so they kind of kind of give you a little bit of a head fake early on in the episode. So with that said, uh, the episode opens. And, and I love the way they did this. It was very artistic. They did it in black and white. They did it no sound. And so there's a bunch of stuff going on, in which they had some sound bits that come in here and there, depending on what was going on. The but prayer. Uh, the prayer, that's when some of the pieces would go in. That's right. Switch. That's right. They, they brought it in yeah. when they did the Lord's Prayer. That's right. Um, and, and so what were some of your favorite parts of the disciples being sent out two by two, healing, casting out demons, laying hands on the sick, uh, all that? I think... Probably my favorite was uh, the one with Matthew. <laughs> yeah. So Matthew and Simon the Zealot. So a tax collector and a zealot were sent out together. And, and calling back to episode two, my favorite part about that, uh, we, we actually got some hoodie. We, we got some uh, chosen merch. And so my hoodie says, not what we were. And it's when Jesus told Simon Z, uh, which is what they call him in the show, um, you weren't, you're not what you were. 
like you're no longer a zealot, just like he's no longer a tax collector. Like yeah. I loved it, and so seeing that played out, he he wrestles this demon possessed guy to the ground. And he's like holding him with everything he can, and then Matthew comes out with a a, a bottle of oil and, and pours him on his head and just starts praying, and the guy gets freed of his demons. It was just like yes, so awesome to see Matthew and, and just our characters change and, and get more bold and, and, and just do what Jesus has empowered him to do. And mm-hmm. the interesting thing that I, I thought about it, so there's, there's a scene where they return home and they're talking about it. They're, having, they're actually having a hard time with it. Uh, yeah. Some are super stoked about what happened and they can't explain it. Some are wrestling with it. And so the first part is um, I appreciated, I don't remember which disciple said it, but one of the disciples was like, he wasn't with us, but I could feel that he was with us. I could oh, feel yeah. him speaking to. Was it Philip? Maybe. Uh, I think the one with so. the headband. Yeah, I think so. Uh, and, and so you know, he was like, but I could feel him with us and speaking through me. Like I didn't have to. I didn't have to work at it. Like yeah. I love that. So that was cool. But then, like, the chosen is so good at at really getting you with the really release. And mm-hmm. it it was um, where they said, I feel like a fraud. The things that I was saying, the things that I was doing, I'm not living by. Like, that's not who I am. And so part of it is, like, we have to realize as Christians that the things that we will say, the things that we will do, is the Holy Spirit and Jesus speaking through us. But often you you hear preachers, I know I've said this before and I, I mean it, but it's like often the sermon that I preach was preached to me first by Holy Spirit. Like, I need this in my life, and I'm dealing with these things, and I'm growing. I'm a human. I'm not perfect. And so um, they're, they're wrestling with that for the very first time, open dialogue and, and just really struggling with it. And then um, Peter and Eden had just fought, and, and his house has kind of become home base. And so he kind of loses it and was like, is this just a meeting house? And you, you kind of see a little bit of a glimpse of old Peter. So he's, he's tired, he's, you know, their family has kind of been put on hold, and, and his wife is, is upset, he's upset because he doesn't know what's going on, he just gets back, he's tired, he's hungry, and, and so he kind of flies off the handle, kind of gets mad at Jesus a little bit, and then he, he goes off to kind of figure some things out, and, and Jesus is like, let him go figure it out. In the previous episode, or the one before, to Jairus, so if you know him, he's a, a leader in the synagogue, and in scripture... His daughter dies and is raised to life by Jesus. One of the resurrections in the Bible uh, by Jesus. And so um, we get introduced to him. And in this episode, his daughter gets sick. They don't know what's going on. Uh, There's all kinds of stuff. There's all kinds of turmoil, really, in the city between the water cistern being messed up and and all kinds of things. And so we see that and we get to feel that like pain. So... It is pulling at every emotion you possibly can think of on this episode because you're getting hit with so many different things, so many different perspectives. Mm-hmm. You know, some people are like, I'm all for Eden. Peter should know what's going on, <laughs> you know. And then you have some people are like, I'm all for Peter. He has no clue what's going on. She should tell him, you know. And then and then everybody's like, I'm all for Jesus because Peter shouldn't talk to him like that. You know, you know what I'm saying? It's like you got all you got all the uh, all the emotions going on. You got the disciples that are not only excited about what happened, but also confused and concerned. Like, mm-hmm. I, I barely understand this myself. How can I teach this? You know, it's all really good questions, honestly, and questions, you know, ministers and anybody stepping foot into ministry and saying yes to Jesus is going to ask. I am not worthy. Good. You're, you're at a good place. No one's worthy. Jesus is worthy. And if he's speaking through you and you remain that humble, willing vessel, 
that's what he can use. It's when we start to let our pride and ego uh, dominate us. And one of the disciples said this, uh, and, and I think it was so good to kind of keep this in balance, but they were like, I felt power. I felt powerful. Hmm. And it's like, in the right hands with a humble heart, that can be good. But in the wrong hands, that can take your head to, to big places. You can get a big ego, and you can do a lot of harm with that. And so, you know, they're wrestling with all the right things. Yeah. What do you think? I liked how it, when they were all talking, it, it showed how they weren't, like, all stuck up. Like, I'm all powerful and all that. And, like, like in the Bible, like, when you read it, it makes you think they're all wise and they know everything, like yeah. Jesus. But in this, it shows how like Jesus has to teach him through everything and walk him through steps. And, yeah, I think that's cool to see. No, I think that's such a good call-out. Guys, it's so good. So not only do we hyper-spiritualize everything, and we've taken the humanity away from Jesus, and we've made him only God, not God and man, but we look at the disciples and we're like, they're perfect. Jesus picked them because they were perfect. They couldn't do no wrong, and they're better than all of us. And we set them up here... And we're like, well, I can never be like that, so you never try. Yeah. And in this, just like Kaya is saying, it's like we get to see their humanity, the ups, the downs, the, the good, the bad, all of the struggles. And then we remember, we have that too. We struggle with the very same things. Not much has changed. Jesus is still saying, oh no, Hezekiah's upset again. I got to move in. I got to shift his heart. I got to get him back on track. We're a work in progress all the time. And so I appreciate that. Yes, we see the humanity of the disciples again, that they're not perfect. They don't have everything figured out. Jesus didn't pick them because they were perfect. He picked them because they were willing to serve. They were willing to follow him. Mm -hmm. And that's all he requires of you and me is that we say yes to him when he says, come, follow me. Right? We have to follow him. So Jairus, highlight. Veronica, the one with the issue of blood, highlight. Um, we could see just the challenge of uh, being ceremonially, ceremonially unclean. So uh, she ended up having blood on her, on, on the clothes and on, and on her like on her leg or, or something. And, and just people losing it, yelling out unclean, get away, uh, making them ceremonially unclean. Like you, you just could see all of the mess unfolding and how her life had to be just unreal. She's trying to make money. She now can't make money. She doesn't have anywhere to stay. Like, it's just an absolute mess. And so you get to see the reality of her spending everything she had to try to fix what was wrong with her, and no one can do it. Uh, but the beautiful thing, as she was talking to Eden, I appreciated that Eden was like, so you've tried everything, so there's no hope. And it's something to, along that lines of that dialogue. And Eden, or Veronica was like, no, I still have hope. And she kind of talks about it a little bit more. And it's like, yeah, she's like, just not for medicine. I love, you know, exactly. I love that. It's like, she still had hope. And that's what I think caused her to like, I've heard the rumors. I've heard the stories. If he is who he says that he is, like, this is going to happen. I have no doubt in my mind. Like, I love that. So you can start, you can start to feel it rising. And it's a beautiful contrast from the previous episode with Nazareth, with the people having no faith that Jesus could do any great miracle there to this lady going through complete and total chaos and saying, I still have hope, right? Yeah. Like, beautiful. Yeah. Um, the last thing I'm going to say, and then I'll be quiet because I've talked a lot, I love Gaius. Man, if, if I like any of the Romans, he's my guy. Uh, he's always yeah. had the soft spot for Matthew and looking out for him. Yeah. Um, he's different in the sense that uh, he's still strong. He's still uh, a Gentile. 
And so as Peter is off, uh, I'm going to lovingly refer to this as his pity party. Uh, <laughs> and he's upset. He's mad. He doesn't know what to do. Gaius comes along, and they exchange some words. And it's funny because he's like, I've never seen you without a sword. And he shows him the sword. So he's like, no, I'm still a bad dude, even when I'm not. You know, like, it, it just, it's funny. It was kind of like the, the dudes kind of thing. And then, you know, just, you can start to, the thing that I like about it is you start to see the shift in Peter, because eventually we know that Peter is going to go to Cornelius's house, which is also a Roman, and he's going to see the Gentiles saved and filled with the Holy Spirit of God. And so that's coming later in the book of Acts. We know this is coming. And so to see things that foreshadow that, I love it. Like, I love the storytelling, I love the writing, I love the cinematography, all of that. They're doing such a good job. And so Gaius starts talking to him. Peter's fidgeting. He's like, you always got to have your hands moving. And so he's doing all these knots. Then Gaius starts doing these knots and he teaches them one. He's like, whoa! You know, it's like they have this bro moment where they have a good time. And, and Gaius, like, genuinely gives him advice. And he's like, I'm going to give you five words. <laughs> Tell him the five words. What is it? You are right. I'm sorry. Tell that to your wife. <laughs> and all the women in the house said, amen, hallelujah. But, um, but no, he's like, Remember these five words, and he counts them out. Mm -hmm. He's like, go home, tell her that, make it right. And so he's genuinely being a good guy, really just trying to, to impart something. So I just see so much like father heart in Gaius right now, mm -hmm. even though he's not saved yet, even though he's not following Jesus. He's got a lot of questions. He's got a lot of frustrations uh, with all of it, and, and the Jews, and, and everything going on with Quintus, Quintus, his boss. Everything's crazy, but he's still being a father, and it's like... Oh my goodness, we got to get more of this in our society, in our culture around us, where we have no agenda other than to be fathers and mothers to the people around us and help them grow and thrive and be blessed. And so I love that. Gaius is still one of my favorite Romans. Yeah. I can't wait to see um, how they weave him into the fabric of the story. I believe he's going to be one of the ones that are saved. Yeah. I, I can't wait to see that. But, um, but those are my highlights for episode four. Episode four ends with a scream from Jairus's wife saying, get over here, and, and, and we're, we're left I, with I heard the, that, I was like, I think I know what happened. Yeah, we're, we're left with the realization that the girl that was sick is now dead, uh -huh. and Jesus is going to jump on the scene. And so things are getting real. I love that they're doing them every Sunday, so one of the great ways to, to kind of wrap up Sunday is, is to watch the Bible on screen and just kind of talk about it together. And so, um, so if you haven't checked out The Chosen, uh, please check out The Chosen. I think it's The Chosen uh, New. TheChosen.tv is how you get to their new website. And you can download the new app. You can do it on Roku, Apple TV. Uh, we sometimes do it from our iPads or our phones and, and YouTube. And, and YouTube. Uh, yeah, so the day that it airs, they do it on YouTube and Facebook. Yeah. They just will go away soon. Uh -huh. And so there's like a billion different ways you can watch it for free. Um, if you haven't caught up with the first two seasons, I think they're on Netflix now. So they're just making it even easier to like just catch up on everything. And so we encourage you, go catch up on it. It is totally worth the watch. It's not overhyped. It's not super cheesy like all the other Bible shows that you could possibly think of that have not been done well. Um, it just, it, it's mind-blowingly good. Uh, very well done. And, um, and I encourage you, check out the behind the scenes, mm -hmm. check out, they have like Q and A's where they like talk about the theology the podcast, behind it. Yeah. yeah. Because everybody's like, well, are they Mormon or are they this, or are they that, or are they just trying to get rich and, and, and not really believing that God can use the show. But I'm telling you, 
God is using this show. Mm-hmm. He's reaching people that otherwise would not have been reached. And, and that, to me, is the, an effective communication of the gospel. And that's why we're such big champions of it. We yeah. want the gospel of Jesus Christ to go out any way it possibly can. And so we uh, support. Like we're, That's why we're buying the merch. Not only are the hoodies cool, and they are massively soft, y'all, like really good quality. Um, but we're, yeah, so here's some of it. Got the little wristbands, so it gives us something. Remember the WWJD stuff? Like, it gives people a reason to say, why are you wearing that? What does it mean? Uh, I think the one I wear, it says, get used to different. Yeah. What does that mean? Well, we're different now. We've been transformed. And it allows me to share my faith because it's something they see that doesn't say, you know, John 3.16 or, you know, something that's just overtly Christianese yeah. or Bible. And it gives us a chance to talk in a conversation uh, in a relational way that doesn't uh-huh. push them away. Like like the three fish on one hoodie exactly. or the chosen. Like, hey, what's the chosen? Tell them about the chosen. Exactly. And yeah. so it gives us an opportunity to share our faith. So we yeah. support the chosen. We encourage that you would uh, support the chosen at the very least. Check it out, share it with somebody, and uh, and, and they're just a massive blessing at what they're doing. So uh, this is episodes three and four recap. We hope that it blessed you. Uh, episode five, so clean part two. As we said, the spoiler, you kind of know what's coming, um, but that is airing this Sunday. We're in Oklahoma, and so it's 6 p.m. our time, so we're lucky. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and so, uh, unless I guess unless you're um, uh, West Coast and, and you get to watch it even yeah. earlier, but yeah. nonetheless, um, it's airing this Sunday, and, and I can't wait. And so I think they do eight eight episode seasons, uh-huh. and so we're getting real close to the end of season three, and uh, he's he's wanting to do seven seven seasons, which is awesome. Uh, once again, we don't get paid <laughs> by anyone at The Chosen. We just love it so much. And so we hope this has blessed you. And um, and like I said, stay tuned for our other two episodes that we're going to release that's going to talk about some different topics. Please ask us questions. Let us know what you like. Let us know what you want to hear more of, and we'll cover that. So that's a wrap for Episode 3. Stay tuned for Episodes 4 and 5. We'll talk soon.